There is an old, old story about an old man and his wife at the start of the Bible. The old man is called Abram and his wife is called Sarai. Abram and Sarai have no children. And one day God says to Abram, go, I'm going to do something amazing. You have to trust me and you have to go. I wonder, would you have gone? Hi, I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse in Scotland. We're glad that you could join us from wherever you find yourself today. You can find out more about who we are and what we get up to at our website at st-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk and I'd ask you that if you find our time together today helpful then please pass that on to others. It's as easy as clicking the like button or sharing the video with your friends. Today I'm joined by Blake and his mum Yvonne. Yvonne will lead our prayers later but for now let's listen as Blake reads our scripture for us today. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 4. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, you know that you are a teacher has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with them. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is a faithful one born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you of people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. For the next few weeks we leave Matthew's Gospel behind and we return to the fourth Gospel, the Gospel of John. We need to remember that John's account of Jesus really isn't like the other three. Rather than giving us a biography of Jesus, John is much more interested in showing us the bigger cosmic Christ at one with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. John's Gospel 
also connects very deeply to the Genesis stories, with a beautiful opening prologue echoing the creation poem in Genesis 1. It sets Jesus very firmly as part of that story. Jesus is the Word, there at the beginning of all things, through whom everything came into being, and the Word became flesh, skin of our skin, bone of our bone, and lived among us. That opening passage of the fourth gospel also talks about darkness and light. The darkness is a place where people live in ignorance and sin. The light is Jesus, come to rid the world of that darkness so that everyone can live as God intended. So Nicodemus, a religious leader, a scholar, an elder, a member of the ruling council, comes to see Jesus at night in the darkness. Nicodemus comes looking for illumination. He wants to know more, to understand what Jesus is all about and what the things that Jesus has been doing mean. And so Jesus and Nicodemus enter into this slightly odd conversation where Jesus talks about being born from on high. And Nicodemus just doesn't understand. He thinks Jesus is being literal, that you have to go back into your mother's womb and be physically born again. But of course, being born again is one of those phrases that's made its way into the language of the church. Usually it's used to describe that day when something changed. People use phrases like converting to Christianity or giving your life to Jesus to describe a moment, a bit like what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus, a blinding light and a voice from heaven. And some of you will have had an experience like that, or perhaps several experiences like that, and some of you won't. Some of you will be wondering what on earth I'm talking about, and probably not for the first time. The reality is that most people either come to faith gradually or have never known a time when they didn't believe. They've always believed. And that's the case for Nicodemus. He's always been Jewish. There's never been a time when he wasn't Jewish. And as a Jew, he's part of God's chosen people, a descendant of Abraham. But more than that, he's a teacher, a leader, a person who knows all about the faith and the law and all of that stuff. He is an expert. And that makes Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus a difficult and frustrating one. The other thing about Nicodemus that matters in this conversation is that he is old. He's an old man. And in those days, age was equated with wisdom. So Nicodemus is old and wise. And unlike our culture that seems to value youthfulness, Nicodemus's community valued old people. With age comes status and authority. Why on earth would you want to be young again and give all of that up? But the other part of that age is perhaps the attitude that he's seen it all and done it all. He's watched preachers like Jesus come and go. Besides, can you really teach an old dog new tricks? And that way of thinking is confusing for Jesus. How can this man with all this experience and learning and wisdom just not get it? Nicodemus is a leader, a teacher, a religious man. But here's another man who doesn't really seem to understand the fundamental stories of his own people. Even the story of Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. Abraham wasn't always Abraham. In the beginning, he was Abram. God said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And Abram goes. 
And these days of people traveling all around the world, this doesn't seem like such a big deal. People travel all the time. It's a blessing we can hop in a plane or jump in a car or a train and be somewhere else. But not in those days. Nobody went anywhere. Ever. God's call to Abram is so far from what's normal that you have to wonder what made Abram listen. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Your country, the place that you are from, your kindred, your your clan, your tribe, your people, your father's house, your family, your brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces. This is what Abram is asked to go from. To leave all of this. To leave everything that he has ever known. All of his family, all of his friends, his security and perhaps even more importantly, his land. He's asked to become a wanderer, a sojourner. And in those days, nobody wanted to be one of those. Why would you? The only thing that's out there are other people. People who want to kill you and take your stuff. After the call to leave all that behind, there is a promise. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Great. Sign me up. Father of a great nation. Blessed, even. And those who curse you will be cursed. What's not to like about that deal? There's just one minor detail. Abram and his wife, Sarai, are old and they have no children. In fact, Sarai is the first woman in the Bible to be described as barren, incapable of creating life. This whole promise is just beyond belief. It's nothing sort of madness. Thinking an old couple with no children would be the start of anything. It's just bonkers, isn't it? And to add to all the other reasons not to go, Abraham is the only one who knows God. Nobody else does. And Abraham goes. He leaves with absolutely no idea where he's going. He goes in faith, knowing that God is asking him to go. And that God will show him the way. And his people don't understand. So his nephew Lot gets dragged into this harebrained scheme too. Probably to make sure that Abram doesn't do anything even more stupid. Or perhaps more likely that if he dies, that all his stuff stays with the family. Abram, the old man, chooses to be a new person. He's reborn as Abraham. And the promise of God is kept. Abram is born anew from above. But for us, I think perhaps the important part of this promise is this. Your nation will be blessed so that you can bless everyone. God uses the particular to save the universal. God chooses one person, well two really, Abram and Sarah. God chooses them to begin a project A project that will correct all the things that have gone wrong. An old man and his childless barren wife will be the ones to bless the world. The whole world. God uses the particular 
to save the universal. John 3.16 is perhaps the most famous sentence in the world. Most of you might know it by heart. You might have been made to learn it at Sunday school or perhaps at Boys or Girls Brigade. But I wonder how much we think about it and how much we think about the implications of it. I wonder if we ever put it back into the context that it comes from and read it with verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Once again, God uses the particular, a man, just one man, his son, Jesus, to save the universal, us, all of us, the whole of the world. And the way that it happens is exactly the same way it worked for Abram. Inviting people into a spiritual rebirth, a relationship, following God into a new life. And in that relationship, we will recognise who Jesus really is. There'll be a moment at the end of John's story when the risen Christ will come and stand among his disciples and they will finally see him for who he really is. And in that locked room, Jesus will inspire them. In the literal breathing sense, the Holy Spirit will be breathed into the disciples so that they are in a complete relationship with God. Like us, Nicodemus thinks he's already in that relationship. But like any relationship, it can bump along at a a pretty shallow level. Or, with a lot of work, it can be deepened. And at the deepest level of any relationship, two become one in a mutual, caring and nurturing love. The invitation to new life, to eternal life, comes through our relationship with Jesus. That's the whole point of the incarnation for John. Why would God bother to send Jesus to be like us if it wasn't so that we could get to know him better? And the end point of that relationship is to live and move and have our being in God. That's what it means to be born again from above. And each day the invitation to set off for a new life, to walk a new path, to be a different kind of person, to live and move and have our being in God, to be saved from the darkness that lurks in the corners of our own hearts to be fully alive, to be loved. Each day, that invitation is offered to every single one of us. The particular is you. And in your blessedness, you will be a blessing to the world.
God of all. You have called us to follow you. You have called us to care for your world and for your children. You have called us to be a blessing, not a curse. When we look at our homes, our communities and at the world around us, we see signs of blessing. We also see the need for love and care. As we think of all the different families that make up this community of faith, we remember those who are not with us today and those who need to know you are close at this time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We think of our community and all the different activities that take place in and around it. All the people who have grown up here or moved here in recent times. We remember all those who live and work here, who learn and play here, who love and care here. We bring them all before you now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We think of our country and all of the different decisions being made in parliaments and councils. We think of communities facing many different challenges. God, we pray for healing, for fullness of life and for your way of love to be the guiding rule. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. As we think of the world that you so loved so much that you gave your only Son, as we continue to come and go, we pray for your guidance. Help us to be aware of the impact we are having on the planet and on others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Merciful God, help us to care for and to love all of your children. Inspire us to speak out truth to power and healing to division. And may we be a blessing to all whom we encounter and humbly receive the blessing from those who encounter us. Hear us now, Lord, as we pray together the words that your Son Jesus Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever. Amen. Jesus was visited at night to be questioned. We, like Nicodemus, seek to know Jesus better. We, like Nicodemus, seek to understand. As we leave this time together, God goes with us, enlivening us and illuminating our way. So go with God's blessing. God known to us as creator, source and spirit, with us all today and always. Amen.
The food bank opens for collection on Sunday from 1pm until 2.30pm and every Sunday thereafter. And don't forget, if you or anyone you know needs food, then they can come and collect food at the same time from 1pm until 2.30pm every Sunday at St Ninian's Church. The Lent Bible study continues on Mondays. We're exploring the story of some of the women of Holy Week. You can join us from 7.30 on Zoom. The passcode and ID are on your screen if you're watching the video or they're available on the website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk. We'd love you to join us.